just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Saturday. We've had a good run of guests on this show. And we have another guest for today's show. And this is one you've heard one from before. Uh, a lot of people like the show, so this is a good time to do it again. And, and the guest on the show today is Tyler. He's a younger man, I think in his 30s. And he's uh, in southern Canada, just north of the United States. So, Tyler, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming back. Well, thanks for having me back, Mike. Uh, it's always a pleasure to do this, and we'll see where we can go from this podcast. Now, now we're not going to go too much detail into personal stuff, but the, the good news for Tyler is you, you might remember he was a truck driver, and he was over the road. He was away from the kids and the family for a long time. Uh, you're taking a new job that's going to keep you home and with the kids. So congratulations for that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's going to be uh, uh, 50% split between the office and work from home. So it's uh, a lot more accommodating to my young kids, and I'm looking forward to starting it. That's 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 a big change from being an over-the-road truck driver. So that's wonderful. We're glad to hear it. And uh It'll be well worth it to you. When you look back on the years, uh, money is one thing, and money is important, and it sounds like this is a better opportunity in terms of money, so that's a plus. But the time with the kids, you'll never get that back, so now's the time to capitalize on that kind of stuff. So congratulations. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, I, I was considering that lots over the last few months and even maybe the last year. And, you know, what what price do you want to spend for missing time with the kids so i have been lucky i haven't missed any major events with them i've haven't missed the holiday or or a birthday so i've hit on the big ones but you know time can just slip away from you where it becomes years and all of a sudden they're starting school and all this and you're just thinking where did the time go because you've been working and stuff so you know this is gonna buy back a lot of that time with them and i'm really happy about it yeah it's absolutely invaluable i i mean i uh I, yesterday, my wife and I spent some time with our grandkids, my son and his wife as well, but uh, they live in a smaller suburb, uh, and they had this Halloween kind of event in the little Main Street area, so I got to see my grandkids in their outfits and stuff, and uh, it's tiring. Now that I'm older, I don't know that I could keep up with them like I once did with with, uh, my kids, but uh, it is is so, so difficult joyous and so satisfying I, I i'm anxious to do it i never see my kids my grandkids enough uh but when i do it is absolutely amazing so i can appreciate where you're at so 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 a lot of changes going on in your life since we started talking and uh when we've talked before there's a couple of interesting things about talking to you tyler you're a younger man how old are you again I just turned 28 uh, last 20, month. So you're not even 30 yet. You're 28 years old. You're on the Rational Boomer podcast. You're about the age of my youngest son. So um, I always like the fact when I get younger people on the show, 
Um, I always tell people, and I, may, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not. When I was young, when I was your age, I had a father, but my father wasn't really around much. And uh, one of the things I learned was that when you're 28 years old, you're, you come up against things that you really don't know what to do with it. You don't, you've never done it before, you know, whether it be something with the house or business or taxes or whatever it is, you don't know what to do with it. And typically you might go to your father or some relative, and I didn't have that option. So I always sought out the older people. And, and the reason I did that is because I knew they'd gone through what I'm going through now. And whether they made the right choice or the wrong choice, I wanted to know what happened so I could better decide for myself. You know, even if they fucked up and made the wrong choice, I would at least know I don't want to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, when you get to a certain age and you're, you're a father and you're in your 60s and your kids are in their 30s, having been in my 30s at one time or late 20s, I, t I tended to believe I knew everything. So it was hard for me to go get advice. But do, do you find yourself doing that now running into difficulties or hurdles like anybody does in life? And, and do you have a source to get that information or those insights? Yeah, you know, typical of any young man, you're, uh, I think you said it before, you've got more testosterone than intellect. So, yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you're out, you're out prancing around on the world. Um, thinking you're smarter than everyone and you know this world will put you back in your seat before you know it so I've been thankful um, you know I, I haven't made too many uh, critical errors you know just a few things you know um, I had to impress whatever girlfriend I was with so I bought a new truck or something like that and yeah. you know you recover from things like that but nothing there I couldn't recover from and so um, yeah I've been thankful in that way you know, I've had two very smart parents that uh, have kept an eye out over things. And, um, you know, I can, my mom's a senior accountant. So if I have any tax issues, well, she does my taxes anyway, but, um, you know, if I have any tax questions or just money questions, she's really on top of stuff like that. And, you know, even preparing for this job interview, which is, you know, a little more professional setting, having someone who's well, um, well-versed in that atmosphere, uh, I think really sealed the deal for me. So it, it's good to have smart people in your realm. And, you know, it goes beyond them as well. I, I have a good roster of people where I can call on. Well, the thing I find is if you're a young person, no doubt you'll run into some problems. And just as you said, there are people that have come before you that have run into the same things. And if you're smart enough to realize that you don't know what you don't know, you take that problem to them, they can say, well, I've been there before. This is how we got through it. Or, you know, this is where I went wrong. And I think, you know, growing up and maturing and getting wiser is just using a little bit of a mixture of your own experience and other people's experience to see how you can arrange your life in such a way that's that's going to work out. You know, there's, there's so many people in this world, you know, uh, you see it plenty of times in, in America, no doubt, but here too, where, People just piss their life away yeah. because they're too proud, too proud or too um, full of themselves to think that someone else might add something to their life or, um, you know, someone else has been there before. So, you know, they get a get on in life and they never succeed or they never get anywhere because they never thought to ask or too proud to ask. And just life gets away from them. And 
all of a sudden they're in retirement age and you know if they were to stop working they don't have any anything to back them up right so then they're working basically until they're dying and that's that's about the saddest arrangement that i can think of and um that's certainly not where i want to be and i understand there's circumstances that come up you know uh something to do with your kids or whatever where it really puts you in a bind and that's just the way life goes but you know it's really about arranging things so that when you reach um reach retirement age you can actually enjoy yourself you worked hard your whole life and that's what you want to do when when it comes time to retire is to finally enjoy life yeah absolutely you know i've always told my kids and i've told other people this too i say never take straight advice from anybody because whatever advice they give you was more appropriate for them than it was you but take in as much information as you can be as educated as you can on any decision and then you can make a choice for yourself make that decision for yourself don't let somebody else make the decision but take in all the information that they have And I'll tell you something else I learned, being 62 years of age and being young in my 20s, having more testosterone than intellect, um, young men are always looking toward, you know, getting rich, getting famous, having all the toys, and you strive and you struggle for it, and uh, 99% sure that you will never reach the levels that you your expectations are only a few reach that. And even if you do reach it, it doesn't mean you've got happiness. What I've learned, what I'm experiencing now is that what I should have been shooting for is what I achieved uh, with the help of my wife and just by dumb luck. But instead of being rich and having all these things is to build to the point where you can live in comfort in your golden years. And what I'm saying is, is, you know, for, for my wife and I, you know, we went through all the same things that young people went through, struggled, juggled, did all this stuff with money. Um, but now we're at a point where the kids are gone. We, we get to interact with each other, have fun, travel, do all this stuff. Uh, the money situations, I'm not extravagantly wealthy. But at the beginning of the month, when we get our money from pensions or whatever, we pay our bills. The bills are done. There's plenty of money to live and live life after that. And it's not extravagant, but it's extremely comfortable. And the stress level goes away. Uh, And that's what we should be striving for as opposed to something that's unreachable. It is reachable to be comfortable. And if you focus on that, and I wish I had when I was younger because I might be more comfortable than I am now, but... But it is a nice feeling to go through life and then be in a position to just enjoy things. So if I was going to give any young person advice, I would say that. Don't worry about the big score. Just do the right things and uh, get ready to be comfortable when that time comes because it comes quicker than you think. Well, that's what I hear from anyone who's more advanced in life than I am is you blink and it's gone. So just enjoy every moment that you can. You know, I've kind of learned those lessons the hard way this year and um, just with whatever personal things. But um, to just soak in every moment, you know, if you're if you're in a good moment, take it in and um, don't let it pass you by because they're gone before you know it. And, you know, that comes back to the conversation, my kids and stuff, you know, yeah. you want to just use every moment that you can to bring you as much joy as you can, because I think that's really what life is about is just extracting as much joy as you can and leaving as much misery uh, behind as you can. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not absolutely. always that easy. But. Well, you know, people always say that to me, uh, 
uh, they they will say to me, don't you just want to go back in time and relive your 20s or relive your 30s? And I don't. It's not that I didn't have a good time in the 30s, but I already know the hurdles and the hassles you have to go through. I don't want to deal with that again. And I don't want to change anything in my past because I'm fearful that it would make my current time different. So, you know, you live your life, you do what you do, and you enjoy the time frame that you're in. And uh, you write it for all it's worth. And that's all you can really do. Yep. Uh, I think it was, uh, I forget who it is now, but um, just the best the best way to use, use the experience of life is to um, use your time in such a way where you can do things that you enjoy and and not just willow away in work or whatever that you don't enjoy doing. So, you know, that's a very broad sense, but, you know, if you have a choice between um, putting in an overtime shift where you might be able to, I don't know, do whatever go, with. or you Go to your kids' sporting events, yeah, something like that. Yeah, or you can take your kids to the beach, you know, the, the choice is obvious. And so I've been taking the latter more this year, and it's really paid off its dividends early. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, when we first talked, it was kind of an intriguing thing. It was early on in the podcast, and the fact that some young guy from Canada wanted to be on the show, that struck me as strange. But after we talked, the conversation went pretty well. A lot of people like listening to it. And I think it's interesting that we've got a younger guy who's not a boomer, who has a perspective of what's going on in this country um, politically, because you're up in Canada, and Canada has their issues too. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, but the funny thing is, is uh, the sad thing is, is that when we talked way back when, I don't even remember what day that was or what date, but when we talked back then, uh, we were we were going over some of the fucked up things in this country and your perspective from Canada. Now, all those months later, it turns out those things are still fucked up, and now there's more things fucked up. What's the perception of Canadians when they look down at America and all the shit's going on? I mean, it's absolutely fucking nuts. Well, I guess it probably just depends on um, where you're looking. You know, I, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of prosperity in America, and there's also a lot of um, horrible, horrible things too, like. You know, if I can give your listeners and maybe yourself some perspective on things, like we had, you know, we've had our mass shootings. We'll use that as an example. You know, we had a horrific one in 2020. There right. was something like 20, 20 people were killed. And that is like, I think that was maybe the worst one in history or something. And it'll, it'll be another 20 or 30 years before that happens again. And actually just this, I don't know, a couple months ago, there was this mass stabbing rampage that's, uh, drug deal that went bad up in um, Saskatchewan, so just one province over from us, and you know that makes international news. Well, you know how many people get stabbed in Atlanta or Philadelphia, minute by minute. You know, it's just the the perspective of up here versus down there. There's just and I get it. It's a it's a story of scale too. They they couldn't report on everything, but what I, I guess what I'm saying is that you could basically walk down. Most streets in Canada, like there would be places in Winnipeg, which I'm close to, that you wouldn't want to do that, say, Friday night, like what I'm doing right now. I'm out for a walk. There's no problem. You, you don't even have to think about it. Okay. Or, you know, if you're downtown Vancouver or something, it's probably not, not wise. But 
what I'm saying is that you can drive down any street and you'd certainly be fine. So if you start taking a drive in the south end of Chicago about this time of day, uh, things are not going to go well for you. Chances chances are good that things won't go uh, well for you. So that's just the, the difference. And we have to be mindful of that when Canadians travel to the States that you can't just go wherever you want, or it's not why you can, but it's not wise to. And you have to just really watch yourself because it's a totally different world. It's just so much more more safe here. And, you know, it plays in with the gun violence and gun availability too. But, I, of course, we have our problems. But, you know, it's just the level of the level of difference is astounding for just one border. Well, you know, in, in America, and we're going to talk about some of the specifics going on. Yesterday we had that ridiculous thing with Nancy Pelosi's uh, husband. But... In, in America, as we approach the midterms, it looks like we're uh, a shitstorm inside of a dumpster fire down here. And from your perspective in Canada, do you look at that and not only amazed by it, does that does 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 what's happening here concern people in Canada because of potential bleed over in this stuff, or is that just not a real thing? It's just totally separate. You know, I, I used to think it was a lot more correlated than I. And I think now, I don't know, I don't know, there, there's not a deep fear, certainly, just from the people I talk to and, um, I don't know, online presence and stuff. Like, it's not a overwhelming fear because most of the northern states are better than better than the southern ones, and that's not to put a hit against anyone, but... You no, know, you're right, you're right, though. But, like, Washington is, is fairly safe, and then you've got Montana, that's more... Um, oh, right. Mega country, mega country over there, but uh, or Wyoming, but there's not. I don't find there's craziness there. North Dakota, and then you get into New York, Vermont, stuff like that. Like it's just, it's more touristy over there, and even I guess even over here, like you can dip into Montana, and then you get into the there's a glacier park or something like that. So I mean, right. it's all kind of, it's not that different. So I don't think there's too many concern. They were bleed over, but I have been watching some uh, American shows lately. Like we put on Judge Judy or something like that in the afternoon, and then um, I watch Jeopardy every day. So I, I'm starting to see the midterm um, election campaign stuff. You can really see where both sides are pouring money into because um, you know they'll be tough on crime. This person cut funding for police, and I'll add more funding for police. And there's that whole debate, and then. You can really see um, the Dems are hammering on Roe, which is, um, you know, probably about as good of a strategy as you can get for this cycle, I would think. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, no question. So you get a, a blue campaign. Um, it's it's really going hard on Roe, at least in all of the commercials I've seen. And then, you know, on the Republican side, too, you get inflation, inflation, inflation. That's That's to be expected. Well, the midterms are coming up in 10 days, nine days, something like that, a little over a week. And uh, <clears throat> that's been weighing heavy on America. I mean, this seems like when the midterms come, it's, it's, it's a very pivotal point in this country. I mean, the left side media is basically telling Americans if the Republicans win back the House and or the Senate, more likely the House, if they win it back, that's the end of our democracy. And people are freaking out about it, as you might guess. Uh, when you watch the polls and the media, 
They kind of play with your heads a little bit. Oh, the Republicans are winning. Now the Democrats are coming back, but the Republicans are winning. I don't have a lot of confidence in polls, and I personally think the media uh, thrives on the drama of it all. You know, kind of like a pro wrestling thing, hyping up the event before the event so they get a lot of viewers. So we really don't know what really is going on out there. We don't know what to trust. And as I told people, all we can do is just sit back and wait and see what happens and then react after the fact. Um, it's, but, but the reason I bring it up is because um, <laughs> whenever you get in situations like this in this country um, and people are afraid and they're afraid that something's going to happen in the elections that's going to go against what they believe and it's going to hurt this country. You start hearing people saying, I'm moving out of this fucking country. I'm getting out of this fucking country. And where they want to go? They want to go to fucking Canada. Are, are you are you familiar with a with a, a comedian? He has a very popular podcast. His name is Mark Marin. Have you ever heard of him? Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. Okay. Now, Mark Marin has a great podcast. If, if, you, if you like that kind of entertainment type podcast, you definitely should listen to it. But he's a little neurotic, and he admits that he's a little neurotic. He lives in California. He's from New Mexico or whatever. But he's been really freaking out about this um, <clears throat> about this this Donald Trump shit. So he's thinking about moving out of California. A lot of people are thinking about moving out of California for any number of reasons. But he says, and I bought a plot of land up in Canada. I don't know if I'm ever going to move there, but I just want to know I can. Do, do, do you see much of that? Do you see many Americans trying to come to Canada and and uh, and uh, set up set up a homestead there? Are you seeing any of that? Well, I don't think I don't think it would be fear based on a big scale. Uh, there, of course, there's always talk about that, and like to me, that sounds more like uh, cheap fight than anything. Oh, I'm moving to Canada, or you know, I bought a piece of land. We'll see. You know, I just. Yeah. It's just, it's just like cheap entertainment, but uh, actually, I know someone from Newfoundland. That would be well. I don't think there's a state that sticks out that far, but north of Maine and over a little bit, it's its own island. Right. Anyway, I know someone from here that uh, is from there, and so he was looking at moving back because that's his home country, all that stuff. And um, so he's looking at property, and you can pick up a piece of property for hundred grand or something like that. It's cheap. Yeah. But during COVID, um, I don't think it was COVID specifically, but maybe just because it was zero uh, percent interest rates here and um, and in America. Actually, what was happening is uh, rich folk from New York, or really wherever, but you know, mainly New York, they were scooping up property in Newfoundland because I mean the views are unbelievable, probably some of the best in in. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. On the East Coast, certainly. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not. But, um, you know, views that you can't buy. So billionaires or even multimillionaires were going and picking up property in Newfoundland. So the same property that was 100 two years ago is now 300 just because of the demand from rich folk from New York. And then so you'll get that on, on the other side of Canada, too, in B.C. You'll get the same thing where um, rich folk from maybe maybe it would be actors out of California or, or whomever who will be buying up expensive real estate there. Like we have really relaxed um, real estate laws here, so you can kind of be anybody 
with any company and buy property. It's really weird. Um, so we've had a lot of problems in Toronto and Vancouver with foreign investors uh, making it unreasonable for working Canadians to buy or even rent because the demand is such where it just prices them out of it. That's a another conversation. But yeah, I think it's just, I don't know if it would be to escape from America. I think it's just a different experience or, you know, it's my view that Canada has some of the best views in the world. So it just because they have that sort of money, they just buy wherever they want to buy. And Canada is relatively close to home. Maybe it's an eight hour flight. And that's what I see. Yeah, well, you know, it, it may have something to do with greed, too. As much as they're doing that in Canada, uh, hedge fund people and wealthy people are doing it in this country. We're, we're seeing them buying housing, uh, buying rental property. And there's a lot of concern over that because once they start buying all this stuff up, then they control the price and the value of these things. And like you said, it puts people in a situation, the average folks in a bad situation, as far as just trying to find a place to live. I mean, this is this is one thing that's really been a problem in this country is greed. It's been a problem for for decades, at least since Ronald Reagan. Once Ronald Reagan came in, it was all about feeding the rich and then telling the middle class and the poor, oh, don't worry about it. They'll take care of you. But they don't. It's never worked. It will never work. And it's just a big scam that the Republicans have put on the people of this country. Um, what, what do people in Canada think about the trickle-down theory? Is that a thing in Canada? Uh, certainly not to the same scale. I mean, we do have a capitalistic nature up here where, um, you know, things operate the same way. Uh, you're a business owner at the top. People work under you. It's the same, same sort of thing. But the tax structure is such where you can't you can't pull the same tricks that you can down there. And I don't know exactly why, but um, it's certainly easier to make money in, in America with a, a corporation than it is here. Well, I don't know if it's easier, but I mean, you, you make more because there's uh, more tax loopholes and there's, you know, easier ways of getting around it and tax havens and all that bullshit. And so there's major corporations up here, but they were either founded up here and their families here. So they just stick with it. But, you know, I, I see it all the time where American companies will come in and purchase a prominent Canadian one. A good example. I don't know if you've ever seen the Tim Hortons before. Yeah, oh, yeah. We've had them down here. Okay, uh, Burger King bought them out, I don't know, I feel like it's like five years ago. So I don't know if, there's, if they're popping up locations down there, but there, there was a time where there was one or two in maybe a, a, a New York airport or something like that, just right. very, very few. But now it seems like there's more and more in airports than just, just anywhere. But that's what you'll see happen as American corporations will come and scoop up Canadian ones, and so they can operate here and enjoy the tax structures there. Yeah. Well, as you sit across the border, we're seeing what's going on in this country now. Uh, I mentioned about this Trump lafuck breaking into Nancy Pelosi's house, looking for Nancy Pelosi, can't find Nancy Pelosi, so instead he beats the hell out of her 82-year-old husband with a hammer. And it's just... You know, it takes me aback. And when it first happened, I said, well, that's definitely a Trump lafuck. And everybody's going, no, no, don't be so sure about that. Don't be so sure about that. But then when we find out what 
what's up. You know, he comes in yelling, where's Nancy? He's posted a bunch of things on online about conspiracy theories and shit. Uh, mm-hmm. He's clearly a Trumplefuck. He's He's got some serious problems. He's in the cult. He's got some issues with the things he believes. <clears throat> when a Canadian sees stuff like that going on down here, I mean, prior to this whole Trump thing, I would have thought that America would have been looked at as better than that. But that's that is absolutely the lowest thing. The the level of violence or threat of violence in this country is unprecedented as of late. Does that does that make people in Canada nervous? And 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 that's kind of what I meant. Uh, these attitudes. You talked about people who were kind of Trumpers in Canada the last time we talked. Um, but this kind of violence. It's like a disease, and it can spread. Oh, you are not wrong. Um, you know, we had the Freedom Convoy up here. We talked about that, you and I, and then you had had made some reports on it as well. That was inspired sort of by the insurrection. It was like a mini version or, you know, some kind of cosplay of it. I don't know, but yeah. um, it rolled right, right by where I live. It was long enough. Of course, you know how they are. It's exaggerated a thousand times bigger than it really is but of course um, but, you know of course we get the same inspiration um or folks up here get the same inspiration so there's been different groups that have targeted trudeau personally and um he these had to be uh, removed from his house i don't know it feels like five or six times now because they'll get individual threats or you know someone walking up on we call it the hill. It's not the hill, but you know what I mean. No, I it's, know. Uh, you know, with rifles and stuff. And where someone gets the inspiration to do that, I really don't know. It's, it's a disease of the mind because you you should know better than than that to to think that you're going to get anywhere doing that. You have convinced yourself of a fantasy so beyond reality. It, it's it's terrifying. And it so is. We absolutely get that same level of violence now. Regarding Paul, I think that's his name, right? Or whatever, Mr. Pelosi. Um, Paul Pelosi, yeah. Paul Pelosi, yeah. Um, Here's what I don't understand. How does someone get into, in any situation, how does someone get into the third-ranking member of the U.S. government's house? I don't understand that. that 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 is a good question, and I think a lot of people ask that. I mean... From what I understand, he went to the house. I thought this might be in a gated community, but it doesn't look like it. It's it seems like in a not necessarily an urban setting, but it's like you know the brownstones you would see in New York. It's something similar to that, except it's in California. Um, but apparently, he went to the back door and he broke a window to get in. He got in, and as I understand it, I may be wrong here, but he didn't come with a hammer. Uh, apparently, Mr. Pelosi heard some things going on downstairs, the breaking of windows. He grabbed a weapon, presumably the hammer. He went down, and the problem was was he's 82, and, and this this uh, criminal, his name is David DePape, uh, uh, or DuPape, um, and, and he took the hammer away. And then, of course, he proceeded to beat up um Pelosi and apparently apparently uh, Pelosi hit some kind of alarm because oddly enough I mean the reaction from the cops had to be almost instantaneous 
because the cops showed up at the door for a wellness check, which suggests to me that this alarm was hit somehow, somewhere by Pelosi before he even uh, got in front of this guy. And when they came in, as I understand it, they both had their hands on the hammer. uh, And this guy, this intruder, took it away and hit him like in front of the cops. So this guy isn't the brightest guy in the world. Um, In the middle of the attack, the cops show up. He gets apprehended and taken, taken to jail. It's, it's just amazing. Like you say, how does somebody get into the building of the third most powerful person in the United States of America? Now I will say this, um, the personal protection like Secret Service or whoever's around her as bodyguards, they go with her. They don't go with her husband or her kids or anything like that. So she was out of the state. She wasn't even nearby. It took her a while to get back after this event. So he had no no protection, personal protection. And, and I'm guessing that's something that's going to change here pretty quick. Oh, certainly for the next long while. I mean, um, Dr. Fauci didn't have protection for 40 years until uh, Trump made him the target of, uh, of, of COVID restrictions and everything. Uh, and so then he was assigned Secret Service. And, th- you know, just as you said before, Trump, none of this stuff is even heard of. Like, nobody knew who Dr. Fauci was at all. Like, and just to use him as an example. And then, you know, he was, a, he was the face of COVID for better part of 18 months. So, you know, it's, I guess it's natural that some people wouldn't take well to him if they didn't agree with his policies or whatever. But, um, you know, Trump really highlighted him as, as the guy that's, that's forcing you to do this, that, or the next thing, which wasn't true at all. It was, you know, state and local government, had mostly. It could have gone by federal direction, but it's enforced by the state level. But, you know, this is this uh, political charge that Trump really put on people. And it's 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 all fear based. Right. You know, right. Absolutely. This day, this David fellow, he's obviously um, on a mission to take out Pelosi because he's terrified of what Democrat leadership would do to his family, even though, you know, if you actually look at facts and actually research and read real material, you would find that, you know, maybe you wouldn't agree with every policy they have, but the Democrats certainly aren't going to burn your house down or let in all the immigrants, like whatever the language is. But it's going to somehow totally destroy your way of life. That's what um, that's what Republicans love to say is, you know, if you let these guys in charge, they'll destroy your way of life. They'll, the famous line from Carlson is, oh, well, the border is so bad, it's going to, you know, seep into your suburbs, seep into your neighborhood, and right. all of a sudden there'll be crime in front of your house. This is, it's nonsense. It's total nonsense. But it, it brings such a fear in people where they have to piss away their whole lives. Like this guy, he's done. You know, it's attempted murder on, uh, I don't know if he would just be a civilian, Paul, or if he's somehow... Um, a prominent figure, I'm assuming he is, but just attempted murder, you know, is, is a long charge. Well, and, and the, to do that in front of the cops, like, that's just so dumb. 
Well, and the fact of the matter is, because he was calling out for Nancy Pelosi and because she is who she is, a Speaker of the House, they're even, they were even talking about a charge of attempted assassination, which, oh, means, okay. which means this guy's never getting out of jail. He's just never getting out of jail. He gave his life to Donald Trump, and Donald Trump flushed it down the toilet like he does every time. But, but, you know, the interesting thing about this, and this is where Donald Trump has to pay the price. The reason people are going after Nancy Pelosi, because Donald Trump triggers them, flags her, and talks shit about her. But but here's an interesting thing, and I don't know what the validity of this is, and I don't know if you heard this. Um, you, you remember how Lauren Boebert was kind of telling everybody where Nancy Pelosi was on January 6th, the insurrection? She was tweeting out, well, she just left the main chamber and, and she was kind of pointing people in the right direction. Somebody dug this up from yesterday, from yesterday. Marjorie Taylor Greene treated, uh, tweeted out something very cryptic. She says, just wait till tomorrow. And that's all it said. And then after it was reported that her uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband was beaten up, then she tweets out, we're winning. Now, wow. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if she had anything, any tie to this or not, but that sure is fucking weird, isn't it? I mean, if you told me 10 years ago that somebody in Congress had helped uh, put somebody in a position to attack the Speaker of the House, I'd say you're fucking crazy. That doesn't happen in America. But with all of what we've seen to date, it's not that fucking crazy. And you have to wonder if there isn't some communication or money trail that leads back to somebody bigger in this situation. I'm not trying to start a conspiracy theory. I don't know. It could be some just lone crazy guy. But with all the things we've seen, it's not really out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, you know what? You're not getting too far off um, reality there. How is it that someone in Congress that's absolutely dead clear of, um, uh, not clear, dead guilty of insurrection, number one, still how she's even there is beyond me. But I understand the justice system is such where if you're going to go after ranking government officials, you'd, you'd ought to be pretty sure about what you're doing. So, you know, her, her days are numbered anyway, but how she's still, anyway, that's a separate conversation. But so she says, just wait till tomorrow and then we're winning. This is very inflammatory, triggering words, you know, and obviously it, it's obvious what she's talking about. You know, she tweets out something cryptic the night before, something major happens, and then you know, she comments on it again. She takes joy how, in it. How do you not put that together? Like, what else is she talking about? Well, exactly. You know, I, I, I did a, a podcast recently with a, a Trump fuck. They came on the show, and that was interesting. Oh, really? It, yeah, it goes back a few ways. I've done two Trump fucks since we've last talked, and they've gone pretty much the way – I, I thought they would go. They're not very bright. They have no basis in fact, and they ended up looking stupid. But he was the last one I talked to was trying to sell the idea. And this is what I think about when I think about this, this Trump fuck going into the Pelosi house. As crazy as it sounds that there might be some conspiracy to it, 
in my heart, I know it's probably just some crazy guy, but I can't help think about it. This guy I talked to was trying to sell me on the fact or sell us on the fact that January 6th was just a bunch of guys getting rowdy and getting out of hand. And I said, well, that, you know, that's not true. And maybe initially we thought that to be the case, too, because we would never have imagined that this would have been a planned effort. But since that time, we found out there's been dozens of meetings, fucking tours, strategies, documents, notes, text messages, emails, fake electors, all this shit. And clearly, there was a big effort, a big planning effort leading up to January 6th. And that sounds crazy. That doesn't sound like something that should ever happen in this country. So when something that big happens, you got to question fucking everything. Yeah, I'm going to, I've been a little bit absent uh, again, but I'm going to have to go back and listen to those. That really takes my interest. I'm not sure how you got through it. So I'll, I'll go back and listen to them. But I know, um, I, yeah, that it's, it's so far down the track now with all the committee hearings and everything, how it's not obvious to anyone and, it really just solidifies the fact that people will only, it's a confirmation bias. People only believe what they want to believe based on their, based on their installed facts in their head. And they can't open their mind and open their eyes to a different possibility. You know, could this be possible that the leaders I'm following are lying to me? Is that possible? They can't even do that. It's, there's no critical thinking involved. You know, the the place gets, um, lit on fire, pissed and shit and everything, you know, where government officials are being removed. There's someone sitting on Pelosi's desk and they want to say that Pelosi arranged it. And it's like, come on, you guys. Like, that's so, so far beyond any realm of possibility. You just know that they're selling themselves on this idea just as much as they're trying to sell you on it. And it's really, it's, it's a pathetic showing because it goes to show that they're not willing to look at any other possibility besides the one that's right in front of them based on who they're following. Well, the troubling thing is, is whenever they're making excuses for something, like I'll tell you something about this guy who attacked Paul Pelosi. There was a, there was, you know, when everybody was trying to figure out what was going on, the media is not as, uh, as credible as they once were. There was this picture of, the alleged attacker. It was a drawing. And it appears as though this, this, this attacker was black. Now, it was just a drawing, so it was hard to tell. So they came up with a picture of a black guy that looked like the picture, and they were trying to pass it off as this was the attacker. But it wasn't. Nobody even knew who that fucking guy was. The real picture of the attacker came out, and he was, of course, Lily White. But when this picture of this, this person of color came out, you, you saw all the Republicans going, oh, see, he's black. He's got to be a Democrat. So it's the Democrats doing it to themselves. They pull shit out of their ass, ridiculous shit, and throw it out as if it's real and expect people to buy into it. Now, the vast majority of the people don't buy into it, but just enough of the people that follow them do believe it because they don't, they don't care about facts. And, you know, when I interviewed these, well, I talked to these uh, Trumplefucks, uh, the tactic I took was 
the tactic I think media should have taken initially, and we would have been saved from all this shit. You know, they, they'll, they'll make some statement and somebody will say, how is that possible? And, and then they would let them off the hook. They wouldn't force them to tell the facts. I, I took a little different tack. I pressed these fuckers as hard as I could. What are the facts? What are the facts? No, you can't step away. Tell me about the facts. Answer this question before we move on to the next thing. And they said the same things. Let's agree mm-hmm. to disagree. Or let's move on to something different. And I specifically said, no, we're not going to do that. This is my fucking show. You tell me. You can't just spew shit without answering shit. But that's the thing that's worked so well for the Republicans. They'll say anything as if it's true, expecting people to believe it. I mean, we have a country in terms of the media and the news is absolutely divided because we're all misinformed. We don't get the straight facts. We get slanted facts. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, there's no, you said it many times, there's no more journaling. It's uh, that got boring. It's it's all opinion-based news now. We'll take a story and make make a story just as much as <laughs> reporting on a story to give whatever opinion is going to get their viewership worked up and it's it's really sad um you you have to go to the most boring site there is if it's Reuters or associated press or you know even the times they new york times they they can get down to boring stories too but then there's also these certain they call themselves journalists but you know they're just opinion writers now that um it's, it's the inflammatory headline and then somewhere deep in the seventh paragraph you might get a line of truth and it's you can totally tell it's for clicks and ratings and not to inform the public and you know if there's one thing that trump did save it's the media landscape because something i found out years later was you know all those um big stations whether it be i don't know how fox maybe fox is okay but you know cnn new york times Washington Post, all of those guys, they were sinking. They were in trouble because politics had become so dull. Obama, the worst thing he did was wear a tan suit. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, they had like the they had the thing with Edward Snowden and the CIA or whatever. That was a big one, I guess. But that was you know one story in eight years. You know, he ran such a clean bill. So I I think the people that went to jail from his administration is less than five which is hard to do because no matter what. Actually, I don't think anybody went to jail. I don't think anybody was even indicted under Obama. And it was boring. And you know what? It was fucking nice. It was really nice. Like, it's just amazing to me that, um, that, you know, media has just turned into reality television just as much as any other show instead of getting down to what's going on. And um, it's just such a, I guess the, if you want to wrap Canada back into it, there's just such a level of difference with the media outlook. So like my, my parents, they watch um, noon uh, news at noon and then at six o'clock. And you can kind of tell the, just based on the headlines, it, it's supposed to work you up, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really get people triggered. 
Like it doesn't get people really fiery mad. It's just the way they say things just irritates people. So it keeps your attention or something. Right. But they won't, they won't come out with a headline that's going to, you know, piss off half of a, half the country or anything like you would see down there. It's not the same theater that it's, that it is down there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Tyler, let's, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. All right, we are back on the Rational Boomer podcast. We're talking to Tyler. He is a Canadian, and he is a millennial, of all things. But he's always had some good insights from the country above us, our neighbors to the north, if you will. It's always interesting to hear how they perceive things. And uh, the insight from somebody younger. And, and, and the one thing I will give you credit for, Tyler, is that uh, in spite of the fact that you're considerably younger than I am, um, you do show... <laughs> an unusual amount of intellect, critical thinking, and maturity. So for that, I'm appreciative. Well, that's uh, that's really nice to hear. That's a great compliment to receive from um, someone with a, you know, who's, who's from a different generation who has <laughs> a lot more experience than I do. We'll say it that way. <laughs> well, no, no, no problem. It's, it's well-deserved. Now, <laughs> I'm I'm curious about this. Now we've got the midterms coming up in what nine days, something like that. Okay. Did you know? You know. You know all the problems we had with 2020, the lawsuits and the alleged election fraud and all of this stuff. Um, did you know that there are already more than a hundred lawsuits regarding an election that hasn't even been fucking counted yet? They're already filing lawsuits against this election before it's even fucking happened i don't know that 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 amazes me i don't know what they're suing for they don't even know if they won or lost or they're assuming they lost so they're just starting the lawsuits i mean it's it's a fucking shit show so when the midterms come do you watch it intently or do you get some popcorn and beer and just sit back and giggle at the fucking uh the 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 shit show that we've got going down here Absolutely. Um, it is an absolute, uh, uh, evening of entertainment for me. Like I, I watch the Canadian elections too, and it, it's very much a popcorn and beer type of evening because, uh, it, and it's not so much, I don't know really what captivates me about it, but I guess I just like seeing how the map unfolds and how the evening unfolds and what kind of direction America is going to take. Um, it is so influential for us too. But it, it's and of course I could wake up the next day and find out like it's not it's it's I don't know what what captivates me on the night of but anyway it's it's uh, something I've been doing for I don't know three or four years now I mentioned last time I was on I have a friend in in Winnipeg he's a political junkie too he's he's been a lot well, we've both been busy but he's been busier than I have so I'm not sure if he'll be able to tune in but I certainly will be tuning in because. Um, there shouldn't be that many uh, mail-in troubles this time around. Certainly no. not in 2020 when most folks, well, not maybe not most, but a lot of folks were voting by mail because they didn't want to deal with the lines and the traffic. So it, we should know by, uh, I don't know, 11 or midnight what's going to happen. And I have, I've been away from the polls totally, but it's, it certainly feels and it sounds like Democrats are going to be right in the thick of it despite, uh, you know, the usual kitchen table issues of inflation and there's always the crime issues and, and stuff like that. But it certainly sounds like 
Democrats have a fighting chance, and certainly Roe helps that as well. But I'll give you a compliment. You uh, predicted that the, the Democrats would win the midterms long before it was even a chance according to the media and according to Twitter and everyone like that, when it was very politically unpopular to call the the Democrats to win the midterms, you were doing that and you were, you have never varied from that stance. And for that, I'm very impressed. <laughs> well, thank you. I, part of that is, as I've said before, I don't go into anything unless I think I'm going to win. There's no point in going into something and thinking you're going to lose. And as I said, with the with the polls down here, it was weird. In the beginning, like you said, everybody thought it was a foregone conclusion that the Republicans would win the midterms because, historically speaking, that is true. Democrat wins the presidency, Republicans win the midterms. That's always the way it is. Not always, but most of the time. But the trouble with that mindset is that we've got shit going on that we've never seen in history before. So it's not really a good comparison. And now we've got all these polls. As I've said, they've gone toward the Republicans, toward the Democrats. Now the Republicans are picking up steam, and it's a crapshoot, and nobody knows. But you got to take polls for what they're worth. If you'll remember, and uh, this was a while back, but uh, what, seven years ago, eight years ago, in 2016, the polls told us very specifically that Hillary Clinton was going to win. It was almost a foregone conclusion. But of course, the polls were wrong. And and this is what I'm wondering, and, and from your perspective as a millennial, I wonder about this. First of all, when you take the polls, it depends on who you're polling and who's doing the polling. Ed, uh, who's been on the show with me many times, has pointed out, you know, there are papers that are largely Republican or conservative papers taking polls, but they're calling people with landlines. They don't call people with cell phones. And who has landlines? Hundred-year-old people. And the people who who they're calling are people who read their newspaper who are largely conservative. So is that really a good poll? I don't I don't think so. I think one of the things and see what you think about this. I think one of the things the polls does don't tell us is what happens if there's a huge turnout. Now we're looking down in Georgia and some other places and there's an incredible turnout in just absentee or early voting. I mean, we've got like a million point six in Georgia already voted. And when you have large turnouts, that usually goes toward the Democrats. Now keep in mind, we've got midterm voting numbers comparable to 2020, which doesn't happen. The difference between a midterm and a presidential election it usually drops off. It falls off the table. So I'm wondering, depending on how they did these tolls, are they factoring in turnout, maybe an unprecedented turnout. And as somebody who's a millennial, seeing what's going on in this country, if you were living here, does this does this inspire like millennials or even Gen Z's to go, fuck it, these old people are screwing it up, we're going to get out and vote, meaning a lot of people who wouldn't normally vote, not only in the midterms, just vote in general because they're so young, they get out. So what happens if the numbers are bigger than they expect, which they seem to be? And what if more young people get out and vote? That changes the perspective at all and throws all the polls out the fucking window. 
Yeah, I listened to a podcast with Nate Silver months ago. He runs a uh, five thirty eight, I think, is the number. Right, um, right. And he, you know, he's um, he involves himself in too many debates, and so he kind of makes a fool of himself. But he's very good at his job. He knows what he's doing when it comes to factoring in polls and models and things like that. And he said, uh, "This is I don't know, I don't say it was three or four months ago." He said. Um, this was after Roe had been struck down and uh, he said, that's the, that's the killer. He said they bit off more. They could chew more than they could chew. Um, Republicans did. They, they messed this one up and absolutely they're, they're going to feel that one, you know, whether it, it loses it for them or whether it um, really just takes a big chunk out of their lead. It certainly will. And that's what we've, what we've seen and if you want to get uh gen z or millennial out that was the key topic um you know inflation stuff sure it, it bothers young families when it comes to the grocery store and gas and stuff but i mean really i don't think anyone's going to the uh, in my age group anyway would be going fighting for their lives at the polls over that because they know you know just the winds change and it comes down it's, it's just how it's always been but when it comes to something like Roe, where it is so influential over your rights as a human being, and now there's you know national talk about a ban, and I'll I'll just say something about that too. They're talking about 15 weeks. That would put America about in line with the developed world. And I'm not trying to make it sound any better. So I hope I don't get any or not any, but too many. Um, negative no, I feedback get, on I that. Get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but it would put the it would put America about uh, on the average. You know, Canada, it's about like that. Europe is about that. So, what what the problem that people have is they don't trust them. You know, they say, "Oh, no, 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 it's only 15 weeks." You know, we just want to straighten this out where you can't, uh, you know, abort, you know, 12 babies a year or whatever they're going to say. But right. they, nobody trusts them. Nobody trusts them. And if they've got if they've got the votes, you know, they're crying and whining about the filibuster. I'm sure they if they wanted to get something done, they'd strike it down overnight. They have for the Supreme for the Supreme Court nominees. They'd strike it down overnight if if they wanted to do something, you know. They they don't you've said it so many times, they don't think beyond um what they want to do. They don't think about consequences. They would strike that down overnight to get something like that through. Right. You know, it just really depends on who they're getting funding from. You know, if it's a Federalist Society or religious, other prominent religious societies that um, that pay their payroll, they'll do just about whatever they need to do. So nobody trusts them when they say, oh, well, it'll just be 15 weeks. Don't worry. We won't go beyond that. Well, what did we hear before that? Oh, don't worry about Roe. It's settled law. It'll never be touched. And then hoodwinked America. Well, hoodwinked a good number of folks. There were people that were smarter than that that said, oh, yeah, you know, we can see stars aligning here. We know what's going on. And, certain, you know, sure, sure enough, that that's exactly what ha- <clears throat> what happens. So they're not, they're not reputable. They're not trustworthy. And that's what's going to scare the hell out of 20-year-olds to get out is Roe. And um, if there's, if those kind of numbers are coming out of Georgia already, you know, we, we know that when Georgia votes, they decide elections. Look at 2020, right? Right, um, exactly. So Stacey Abrams' program there is second to none. Um, she's she's really what um, you want to call it, save America, saved America from 
um, the Senate doing the damage that they could have done by putting those two senators in when she wasn't supposed to have a chance. And, you know, I can't remember what her program's called, but she just won over America because of the program that she's been doing. And that's, it's not just an overnight thing, right? It's not just an election year effort. She has been cultivating that soil down there for 10 or 15 years. Right. Signing people up, telling them about the issues, telling them what could be at stake. That is a long process. And she kicked ass and she's going to keep kicking ass because that's who she is. I hope she becomes the governor there. I I do too, absolutely. And, you know, I I think where the Republicans are missing out and the media is missing out, when they overturn Roe v. Wade, they are taking away constitutional rights from women. That's 50% of this country. But the people who supported Roe v. Wade is like 70% of this country. So that encompasses men, women, Democrats, and Republicans. The same thing with Social Security and Medicare. You can talk about taking that away, but there's plenty of Republicans that count on that shit. That's the way they stay alive is Medicare and Social Security. And I never understood why they threw that out there prior to the midterms. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, it's like I'm, we're going to piss people off so we get less votes. It makes no sense. But I, I think the mistakes the Republicans are making is they were trained with Donald Trump that some absolutely horrific thing would happen. And then a short time later, another horrific thing would happen, and you'd forget all about the first thing, you know, unless it mm-hmm. came up again. And I think that they can, they think they can get away with that with Roe v. Wade. They think that, that, uh, okay, that happened, but that was four months ago, three months ago. Uh, now we'll get them focused on something else. People are generally stupid. Now I will tell you this. You talk about older guys having experience. I've been married 39 years. And I will tell you something that I know for certain. Women don't forget shit. And if you fuck with them, they will come for you. If you think the the climate has calmed down or cooled off about Roe v. Wade, well, you're fucking sadly mistaken. These women are coming together. They're registering. They're coordinating things. They're, they're getting together. That one issue is going to be devastating to the Republicans come November 8th. Oh, yeah. I, uh... Well, thank you for telling me what day it was. I mean, I would have looked it up in the next week or so, but I'll, I'll circle that on the calendar to make sure I'm, I'm free that night. But yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. Um, like I said, with the American channels I've been watching, they're just, uh, Democrats are hammering Roe as hard as they can. And, they and they're using, oh, for sure. That's the only issue that will, that really matters in the end, in my eyes. That's the only sticking one. You know, you can bitch about inflation and everything. And, and most people understand that that the winds change and that stuff calms down over time. That's how it's always worked. But Roe, um, uh, you, you got to protect that. And, you know, if Democrats get back both chambers, um, they better hold, hold their promises. This is what gets them into trouble. So um, this is what gets them into trouble sometimes is they'll make these lofty promises. And then as soon as they get into office, it's, oh, well, priorities have changed in the last month. Well, come on guys. This is how you lose votes is by putting people in there and then not doing what you're saying you're supposed to be doing. So that's where some people were let down with Obama because I think it was 09. 
they said we're going to codify rules so this never comes up and so i, I don't know if that was they got busy the they got busy yeah, with something else i don't else. know if that that would have been the issue that pushed obama's numbers the way that it did but um it certainly would have been a factor and then like you said it's busy work it's everything else that gets in the way and who knows who knows why that went by the wayside but um you know i i sometimes i listen to a prominent republican donor he's not a he's not a trumplican though he's distanced himself from trump but he it's weird he gets he, he feels the need to defend trump because he's part of the part of the republican it, it's weird but anyway well, he's, well, he's a he's an intelligent individual so i i listen to him and he has a rational approach and he will you know he'll denounce the insurrection all this stuff so he said that you know republic or sorry democrats rely on roe for funding just as much as republicans do and i think that's a little bit far-fetched i mean they've I don't for some count true. yeah for some counties that's the only thing they run on you're talking about southern texas maybe mid texas a lot of those southern states um uh, you get certain demographics where it's the only the single issue voters. That's the only only thing they they care about is that. And so, you know, he was suggesting the Democrats need that issue just as much as Republicans do. And I disagreed with that. I, I don't think Democrats need that as much, nearly as much as Republicans do. Certainly. No, I mean, the the, the evangelicals and the people against uh, abortion are fucking rabid. And like you say, they're single-issue people. This is why they tolerated everything that Donald Trump did, even though it goes against their religious beliefs or their personal beliefs. They didn't care because all they cared about was Donald Trump got them to overturn Roe v. Wade. And, of course, he he delivered on it. I, I just, you know... The, the the thing about it is is that this country has changed dramatically and the democrats have just as many problems as the republicans they were kind of evenly balanced as far as problems prior to donald trump donald trump raised the stakes for the republican party and the way i look at it you know every time i talk to a trump fuck they say oh you're just a stupid democrat no i'm not a democrat and here's why i'm not a democrat the Democrats had a chance to codify Roe v. Wade, as you said. They didn't do it. When they brought in the Build Back Better bill, the thing they said that pissed me off, they say, this is a transitional bill. Nothing like this has happened in 80 years. 80 years. Did you hear what you just said? This was money and help to the middle class. And you just told us that not only the Republicans, but the Democrats haven't even thought to do something like that in 80 fucking years. So we have problems with the Democrats, too. And, and whenever I look at something, when I have problems, multiple problems in front of me, I take the worst problem and I try to deal with it. And then I don't worry about the other problem until I'm done fixing the big problem. And in the situation we have right now, uh, the big problem is, is is the dumpster fire with the Republican Party. That is the most dangerous. That is the biggest problem. So if I have to side with the Democrats or whoever to get that put out, I'm going to do that. But the moment that is done and that is passed, we as a people have to fucking focus on the Democrats. And we got to put our thumb on their neck to make sure they do follow up. Because what if they get all the power in the House and the Senate? Do they then all of a sudden get lazy? 
rest on their laurels. They've done it before. So we do have to be worried about this. I want people to understand the Democrats are the better option right now, but they are not our saviors. They are not our heroes. We still have to be strong and on top of them every minute. It's not about Democrat versus Republican. It's about us versus them. It's always been that, and we got to keep that in mind when once we get done with this first big problem. Yeah, I, I've been waiting for an opportunity to tell you this story over the last couple podcasts we've done, and it hasn't really come up. But I went to school with these guys. <laughs> they're they're a handful. They're from Orlando, Florida. So if there's anyone listening from Orlando, Florida, who has a straight mind, um, a reasonable mind, um, I, uh, <laughs> I I'm I'm proud of you because it seems like the northern Florida area or mid-Florida area produces some pretty wild folk. But it's anyway, a weird fucking state. It. It's a weird state. Yeah, I'll get on to the story. So they're, they're hyper, hyper-religious people. It's, um, it's a lifestyle, certainly. You know, with some religious people, it's a, it is their lifestyle. But these people are, they're trained individuals. They don't think for themselves whatsoever. So, right. you know, they're always, I still have them on Facebook from uh, from school or whatever. And whenever there's a, conversation about Roe or anything like that they're on there just you know like when it when it got struck down they're just sitting there beaming they they just overwhelmed with joy that no more no more babies will never be lost you know this ridiculous stuff so I challenged them on it both of them it's this younger and an older brother who I I, I went to school with but I challenged them on it and I said where do you see you know your followers of God your followers of um, of this religion or this this uh, way of life, how do you not leave any empathy for the person that's dealing with this issue? Now, I understand there's abuse in that system where people get carried away and they, they're they um, not wise with contraception or anything like that. Yeah, but, abortion you know, is their contraception, and I agree. Right. Those kinds of people should not be allowed to do that. Right. It, it gets, you know, it some people are just careless with how they behave. But, you know, where I said to them, where do you not leave any empathy at all? And if you, we won't get too far into it because we know, you know, how you usually get about a week of emails when we open the religion can. But, yeah, no um, shit. Yeah, you know, I just said to them, where do you, what would, what would Jesus have done back in those days? He would have looked at the person in front of him and would have, you know, Right, wreaked havoc, havoc with the people that had the rigid laws. That's what he did um, in certain temples that he visited. They, you know, they were setting up shop and they were abusing the the system that they had. And he went and put shit on, on them. And so he looks at the person in front of him and tries to understand their situation. That's well documented in the New Testament. If if um, you're well versed in in the bible but you know it, it's it's well documented that he looks at the pe- person in front of him looks at their situation has empathy for them and then deals with that accordingly they don't go by or he doesn't go by rigid laws that are that are written by some folks that are setting up churches or setting up camp and and abusing religion as like a business you, do you know what i mean 
It's leverage. They use religion as leverage. Oh, you can't question my religion. You can't question the Bible. But, but, but this is what Republicans and Trumplefucks and evangelicals do. They use the Bible. They use the Constitution. They read it. They pervert it. And they twist it any way they want just to prove their point and push their agenda. And therein lies the problem. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I've just, as time goes on, I can see it more and more. Uh, it's certainly up here, but I look at the mega churches down in, in Southern America, and I am just astonished by what they've managed to manufacture with some people. You get these folks like Olstein and Copeland, and, um, you know, they are, they are corporations. You might as well call them corporations. I think Olstein's a billionaire if he's not darn close to it. Yeah. Same with Copeland. And so COVID strikes and, um, you know, Copeland's on there. Don't you dare stop tithing. It doesn't matter if you've lost your job. Well, you know, God would look badly on you for that. It's like, how is anybody watching this shit and, and it's not thinking to themselves. Now, this is a little peculiar. Yeah. You know, how does, and, you know, if, if someone's a follower of those folks, I don't mean any harm on you. I just, I do. It drives me nuts. I do. Okay, because, well, because, we'll because, put it on you then. <laughs> yeah, put it on me. I, I um, you know, I'll just tell you what my thought. I don't like organized religion. And, and hopefully people can understand why I don't like organized religion. The bottom line is God, right? And the fact of the matter is you can have a, if you believe in God or a God or a higher power or whatever you want to call that, that entity, uh, you can do that personally in your own life, in your own time, in your own communications directly with God. These churches try to play the middleman. Now I've been in a business where I've been the middleman. Uh, sometimes the middleman is important, essential, and sometimes it's just a way to grift money off the top in between the two parties. Now, the problem I have with, with religions is that they are, in fact, clubs. And these clubs are run, organized, and ruled by humans who we know are fallible, who are tainted sometimes, who can go astray. So if you're talking about God, talk to God. If you're talking about religion and, 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 and organized religion, now I got to go through a human. And the way I look at it is, is if, you, if you're out in the wilderness, you know, and you need water and you see a spring there, you can go to that spring, fill your glass up and drink clear, clean, fresh water. Or instead, you could run that spring down a rusty pipe to another spot and then drink it after it's gone through the rusty pipe. Which way are you going to choose? You're going to choose the tainted water or the direct from the stream, direct from the spring. And that's the problem. These people have convinced people that the only way to God is through them. And if you read the Bible, they say the only way to God is through Jesus, not a fucking minister, not a pope, not a priest. But they don't, they don't push that. They don't sell that because it goes against their agenda, their way to make money and have power. And, and I think this is all, I'm not saying there aren't good churches. If you go to church and it makes you feel good and you feel like you're closer to God, by all means, God bless you, do that. But you don't have to. You don't need to go through a middleman to get to God. It's just not necessary. 
Yeah, I agree. I think there's value in community and I just Absolutely. think you have to be right. And I know that you never strike down community and stuff. It's just, that's where you get into the weeds, right? Is people, people feel like they belong to a club. And then if something strikes them as a disagreement, you know, um, pastor or whomever, um, says something they disagree with, they can't think to themselves that, no, maybe it's time we find somewhere else, or maybe we just, um, just, uh, speak to God and in, in, individually or whatever. It really becomes a club form where, you know, all of a sudden you start going away from your own personal values because it's not in line with what's going on at, at the club. And I, I kind of like what, what, uh, George Carlin, uh, says about a religion. He goes a little farther than I would maybe, but yeah. he calls it a, a weekly fashion show. And I always got a kick out of that. <laughs> well, I don't know that it is anymore, but there were those days where, you know, you got all dressed up, you put on your Sunday go to meet and clothes and you went and it was all about impressing other people that you go and that you look profitable and, 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 and stuff. And it, you know, there's a, it's, it's kind of like, I, I, I own a condo here in Minnesota, right? And my wife and I just bought a condo in Georgia, a place to go in the winter and stuff like that. And in each of these places is HOAs, um, associations that basically run the condominiums. And um, actually what I did with both these condos, I put them in my kid's name. So my name isn't even on the condo. So if I die, they already own them and, it, you know, that kind of shit. But there's always some shit show in these HOAs. Everybody's saying, oh, this guy's guilty of this. This guy's doing this, and we've got to fix this. It's like people love the drama. They love to tell other people how to live. And they keep trying to get me involved. And, of course, I'm a talker, and, and, and uh, I could sure stir it up if I went there. But the fact of the matter is all I want to do is go to my condo, not have any stress, not have any drama, just live here, do what I want to do. But everybody seems compelled to do that. And that's the same thing we get in political parties and the same thing we get in religions. You get this dynamic where somebody wants power, they want to blame somebody for something else, and it becomes a bunch of bullshit that has nothing to do with God or the HOA or the fucking politics of this country. People fuck things up. The less people you can have involved in something. Now, we know, what's the Bible say? Any place where there's two people that come together in my name, I don't know if he said it was a church or not. But here's the thing. That is true. But it's not the case with a church when they're telling you what you can and can't believe and what can happen and what can't happen. That's where it becomes tainted, and that's where it just doesn't fucking work. Yeah, totally. I have I don't have much experience with HOAs, but anything I do understand is that the de- it's the death of all productivity. It is uh, a weekly or a monthly, uh, I don't know, club to just talk drama and bitch about the building and bitch about, well, did you see what those folks were doing? I don't like the way that they arranged their front door. You know, they were hanging this over, the, yeah, you know, they yeah. were making too much. Come on, like, who has time for that stuff, honestly? Yeah, and it really is. And, and, you know, when they had a vote for the board and they catch me out going to the garbage or something, you know what's going on, don't you? I go, no, don't know what's going on. And uh, um, 
they would really push me to do this because they know I have a you know a political mindset and stuff. And when they would push me to go to this HOA meeting and vote and do all this stuff, I say I can't. And they said, "Why can't you? You live here, right? You own the place, right?" I go, "Yeah, kind of." What do you mean? I said, "Well, I put the condo in my son's name." So your name's not on the condo? No, it's not. So because my name's not on the condo, I can't go to these meetings and vote. I'm not technically the owner. Well, you should have your son come. My son is in a town 50 miles away. He has his own family. He doesn't give a fuck about this. He doesn't care about this condo till I'm dead. And so they don't know what to do with that. They get really frustrated. Go, but we need you to talk. I go, I can talk all fucking day. But as long as I can come home, lay down in my bed, watch my TV, do what I want to do, and have everything kept up, I'm cool. You guys can fight over that shit. And it's the same with same with um, religion. Every time I'd go there, there was some kind of turmoil or drama. And I... I got enough things that could give me turmoil and drama. I don't need to join a club to give me more. Well, and as you can imagine, you know, nothing really major changes over years and years. No, you know, there, of course there not. Might, there might be four or five of them that get together and and uh, make a decision that alters the direction of something. But it's just it's more busy work. It's more. Uh, a weekly coffee meeting more than it is getting anything done. And I think that's just what HOAs were designed to do. Like it just pay a bunch of fees to a board that just discusses the same thing every month and makes it really difficult to change the color of your roof. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, for me, if the lawn is mowed, the walk is shoveled, Everything's clean. Everything's fixed that's broken. I don't give a fuck. You know, and this is the problem. We have politics in this country. People say things and have beliefs, but they aren't clear. You know, they will believe one thing so that something else will happen. And it's so convoluted, you really never know what anybody truly believes or wants as a politician. They may want something, but they don't want to say that because it might piss them off and it might cost them votes. So when it comes down to it, it isn't about making the best choices for the people or for the country. It's what's going to get them through to the next election. And that's where the problem falls in American politics. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit off topic, but I saw one clip from Biden um, that I just absolutely loved. And it, it sort of ties into it, but. You know, they, they approved the um, infrastructure deal right. and all the Republicans voted against it because it's socialism and communism and China and all this fucking bullshit. And, but meanwhile, they call the White House and say, oh, yeah, actually, we have two bridge product projects that we really need done. And my constituents are calling every week saying it's falling apart. You know, when's that money coming? And so Biden comes out and says, I had no idea there were so many socialist Republicans in this country. Right. Wow, that was a great line. I just love that. Well, see, that's the thing is that they will out and out lie just to control the perception. Uh, You know, and we're seeing it all the time, too, now with the infrastructure bill. All the Republicans voted against it. But now when the money's coming into the states, they're standing there with a big smile saying, see what I did for you. And for whatever reason, the people, their constituents, either buy it or don't care. 
It's all a fucking game, and that's the problem. we got to stop playing games and get down to business. We're too far behind the eight ball right now to fuck around with this convoluted shit. we got to make some decisions, get some things done, and hopefully when the Democrats win the midterms, they'll take those two years and use that time wisely and get some fucking shit done. Yeah, I totally agree. There's a list of things that I would codify and get get those out of the hands of of the supreme court i'm not sure if they've taken it up yet but that i think it's the case of more that can basically give power to state legislatures to redo or um, just select whoever they want basically a group of individuals in the state legislature would have the power to decide elections if they don't like the will of the people and i mean if that comes to comes to pass Democrats have got to get on that so fast or, I mean, it's not even a scare tactic anymore. You you will start to see elections go sideways and, and legally, but not legitimately. And that's where the whole losing your country thing might actually come to fruition. If you can get a state legislature in Georgia and I, I can't, you know, um, Pennsylvania, I think, is all Republican. Um, you know, the different ones that are swing states. Um, and they can just say, oh, well, you know, we heard some shady reports that there was some missing ballots. So we're just going to take care of that for you right. and put our guy, put our guy in office instead. Now, can you even imagine that? The Democrats would have to come out in such a strong force. They would have to overtake Texas or something. Well, then again, Texas is controlled. The, the legislature is controlled by Republicans anyway, but they would have to they would have to come out so strong to overwhelm that it would be almost undoable, and that's where you would see a one party rule in America. Yeah, and you know the thing is, and that party would be a minority. That's the ironic fucking thing. But but yeah. you know I don't think people understand how bad it's gotten. You know they 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 still want to say, well, if it gets this bad, then we'll do something. Well, let's look at how bad it was. January 6th, we have these toothless dumb fucks going against the Capitol trying to disrupt the the count of the Electoral College. Some people said it was <clears throat> it was just a happenstance thing. It just happened. But then we find out that there was plans, there was strategizing, there was all kinds of things going on. This was, without question, a conspiracy. And then when you took a, take a look at that conspiracy... The executive branch, the president himself, Donald Trump, was tainted. He was behind this attempted coup. Then you look at the judicial branch. We've got Barr, who was the attorney general, who was assisting in this situation. And then we realize we have Clarence Thomas, who is married to an insurrectionist, who is not recusing himself and helping the cause to overthrow this country. Think about think about that. These people are trying to overthrow the country. Every branch of our government was tainted or perverted. And they still couldn't get it fucking done. They still couldn't get it done. They had every angle covered and they still couldn't get it done. But it's not like, well, if this happens and that happens, it's fucking happened. It's time to get down to business and straighten this shit out and not say, well, in a little more time, I'm going to do something about it. Now's the time to do something about it. Yeah, now's the only time to do something about it. If you don't, if you don't do something to 
um, uh, codifying more wouldn't be the right term, but if, if you don't take that power away from the state legislatures and th- then you're in big trouble. And the, the thing of it is before this, I mean, no one would have, no one would have ever considered that a state legislature would just rewrite an election based right. on a handful of people. Like nobody would have even dreamt about that stuff. And so I don't know, I can't remember if we covered it before, but you said there's already pre lawsuits to this, midterm election you know what you know what that is that's fear they're yeah. terrified that they're going to lose before they even know and something else that i that i've seen with um these these crazy republicans too is they'll say oh even if they win or they win by two points or something like that they'll say oh they still cheated but yeah. we're just so popular and we're just so good that we overwhelm the cheating this see this just so insane. You can't well, even you can't treat these people as 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 adults. They're children. Yeah. Well, what Democrats have to understand, and I think the Republicans already understand, even if they win the House in this election, their time is short. I mean, baby boomers are dying off. They're getting too old. The millennials and the Gen Zs are starting to come up. They're the ones that are going to carry this country with money and, and, and whatever they do into the future. The Republicans, the era of the old white man, cannot survive millennials and Gen Zers. They just aren't going to survive. They're, they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth to try to hold power. That's why they're being so, so, um, hyperactive about this. But it doesn't matter what happens in this midterm election. The Republicans ultimately will be done, at least in this form. They will be done because the people that vote for them are the boomers, the non-rational boomers, and they're dying off. And eventually the millennials will just push them aside and they will be no more unless they do something to change their strategy. Yeah, um, they're going to have to decide if they're going, well, they've kind of already gone all in on the ultra right. There's there's very few, if any, you could call them rational Republican right. figures. And, you know, if, if that's the, if the last of them are Kinzinger and Cheney, that's two out of how many, you know, it's it, not even close to what you would need to have a rational party. And um, they're going to have to probably get completely obliterated to to form something that's going to move the needle again. And so what the conservatives had to do here, they, they played around with the ultra right thing one election cycle not not nearly to the extent but they're just echoing some stuff and they they got wrecked in that one and um they've had to come a lot more over to the center you know they've there were some people that were speaking up about some covid conspiracies vaccine conspiracies they had to put all that to bed because nobody or very few and people in this country buy that it's it's probably less than 10 percent, and now it's even less because you know we don't have to go so far into this one, but you know how many people Trumpkins or or, or whoever whoever else said, "Oh, just wait! Within one year, everyone who took the vaccine will be dropping off like flies." While we're all still here, you know. Yeah, I just got we're my second booster, here. and I'm happy as a fucking lark. You know, 
I it's just the, the whole thing was so absurd. It's it's so ridiculous that that it, it's 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 hard to listen to. These Republicans right now are in a state of desperation. They are holding on, like I say, by the skin of their teeth. It's it's not going to go well for them ultimately. And the changes will come whether they like it or not. Times change. Countries change. Uh, you know, they're worried about being the minority as being white people. They're upset. They're concerned about that. They're trying to hold on to that. Um, and that may be part and parcel to why they're so against the abortion thing, because they feel like uh, white children are being aborted, and that's going to put them closer to becoming a minority. That sounds crazy. But I've heard people say that, and it's fucking ridiculous. Yep, I've heard that too. That um, it was either Banks or Biggs or somebody like that basically let the truth out of the bag that, or or were worried about um, the strength of the military or something like that. And so what they're what they're saying is what George Carlin said. I referred to him already, but. He was saying this stuff in the '90s that yeah. uh, conservatives and Republicans treat women as broad, uh, what, what do you say, broad mares, brood mares for the brood state, yeah. and yeah, and it was it was you know hilarious, but it's true. Like you know they all were concerned about white population and military strength. Well, so women are just um, are just ovens for the military. Then I don't think so. Like they're human beings. Like how can anybody? speak like that these are married men that are talking like this and you just think you know what they you you have no idea how these people even function but they just they've been so involved in this trance that it's just it's it's beyond words like well you know what they want to do is they want to make women second-class citizens again Now, you're young enough, you may not know this, but uh, the 1960s, while it was before your time, is not that long ago. In the 1960s, I don't know if you know this, in the 1960s, a woman could not have a credit card. It had to be a man who had a credit card. And a woman could not buy property. It had to be signed on with her husband or her father or some other male person connected to her. That's, you know, 50 years ago, and women were second-class citizens. During that same time period, we had the women's right movement, um, and, and, and they gained some ground doing that, you know. And, and, uh, but there was the Equal Rights Amendment that was supposed to um, make sure that they had all the equal rights and they needed it uh, voted on all across the country, state by state. And all these years since that in the 60s or 70s, they still have not passed the Equal Rights Amendment. They've fought hard to keep women as second-class citizens. And now they feel like they're getting a little cocky because they've got some rights now. And now the Republicans want to put them back in their place. And if that doesn't piss off women, regardless of their party, I don't know what it's going to fucking take. Yeah, it really just goes back to the conversation of lacking the ability to um, think critically, or even if you can think critically, having the strength, the confidence, the whatever else you want to call it, self-care, to say this is unacceptable and I am not going to be a part of this anymore. Like I, you know, we'll just refer to those folks that I know from school. Um, You know, they're making comments that um, women don't get the choice, you know, 
the baby's above all. And if God were your whatever, if Jesus was here, he would say, you know, baby's above all. Absolutely no empathy for the person dealing with this sometimes horrific situation. And they're, you know, they're both married guys and their wives are liking their comments as if like, like they're just sitting there saying, yeah, my wife doesn't get a choice. It's, it's me because of the, or sorry, not me. It's, it's our religion that decides because that's just the way it is. And it's like some of these people are in such a trance or in such a belief system. They're in so deep that they can't recognize for themselves that, you know, wait a second here, are my rights being taken away from me? And is that wrong? You know, where where else could this lead to? Hold on a second. And I know there's some women that are very, um, you know, they, they believe what they believe with their religion and or they just have a deep sense of, you know, um, maternal care where they could never imagine doing such a thing. There's, you know, it gets into that sort of conversation too. But, you know, they're just, it's just such a weird place for me to watch where someone will just let their rights go and, and not even care because of the religion that they're brought up in. And they can't imagine thinking elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Tyler, we're running out of time here. We actually went over time. We always go over time, but that doesn't matter. I know you got other stuff to do and uh, um, I appreciate you. Uh, taking the time to talk to us. I know it's going to be harder to get you back on, so I, I'm glad we got this this chance to talk to you because a lot of folks out there listened to previous shows you've done. They really liked what they heard from you, and uh, I'm sure they're anxious to hear this show too, so I'm glad we were able to get this done. Yeah, it's always a good time, and I'm not sure when I will be back again. Like, like I said earlier, I'm going into a more professional setting, and the social media policy is such where um, political commenting is is not wise. Yeah. <laughs> so in a, in a public sense, uh, so it's not that you know I'm broadcasting to the world my thoughts and opinions that would get me in trouble, but it's probably just wise to um, end the podcasting days. And you know, it's not closing the door forever. Things change all the time. So um, I'll certainly be around, but um, this will be the last one for now. Well, you can always keep listening, and you can always send emails, and we'll just keep it anonymous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um, you know, I, I still like to be part of the conversation, and if we can get those uh, comments in anonymously, certainly I can be part of the conversation and stay involved. And uh, we'll see how these midterms go, I guess, and I'll be listening to hear your thoughts and opinions on how that goes. Well, I appreciate it, Tyler. Thank you very much, and best of luck with your new new career and with the kids. And uh, I hope all goes well with you. I have a feeling that they will. You're an intelligent guy, and uh, you've got a, a, a good mindset. And I can almost guarantee you things are going to go well for you. So we'll be thinking about you. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And, uh, yeah, I want to thank thank the listeners for taking to me the way that they have. I never would have imagined that um, I'd become a popular voice. I was just a <laughs> kid in Canada that took to someone with a reasonable outlook on American politics and threw my name in the ring when you open it up to guest listeners. And yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun talking to you several times. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've always enjoyed it too. So, and, and I know the people listening enjoy it too. Well, you have a, you have a good night and best of luck in your new career and, uh, keep checking in because we want to know how things are going. You can always tell us how it's going and then I can relay it to the folks in the audience because I'm sure they'll be interested to hear too. So. Sure, we can do that, too. Stay stay in touch. I don't want to be like your mom saying, you never fucking call. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. No, my mom, my own mom says it to me sometimes. So (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I got kids your age. I don't hear from them unless something's going wrong or they need something. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we're used to that. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate you taking the time. Folks listening, I appreciate you taking time out of your day every day to listen to the Rational Boomer podcast. I hope you have a great day. And uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.